Welcome back to another episode of the Science and Spirituality Podcast. And on this episode, we bring back Neeraj Pardesi, who we had on our last episode, to further the idea that we discussed at the very tail end of that episode, which is about how to bring back your own power in a world that's constantly competing for it. Now, if you haven't listened to the original episode, it's not necessary to understand the concepts we're talking about in this, but it would be very helpful. So if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to, to go ahead and take the listen to that one. For sure. And as we got deeper into this whole topic, a quick uh, warning, I would say, is that we get really into the challenges or the negativity that is present on our world today and how our energy, our power is being taken from us, uh, whether that's intentional or not intentional, but a lot of times it is intentional. So it can seem kind of dark, seem kind of uh, negative when we get into it, but it's important to actually acknowledge the reality of what is mm -hmm. so that we can then learn and know what to do about it, to be aware of those challenges so that we can do something about it. So as you go through this episode, keep an open mind, open heart, because I, even like when Chris and I were listening to Neeraj sharing about certain things, like felt my heart sink, but like it comes full circle to the end when we talk about practical things to do, like as we always do with this podcast, as we yeah. always talk about what can you do about these challenges. So uh, stick to the end and keep an open mind, keep an open heart as you listen, because it, uh, it can get dark. Yeah. And I, and I feel like you saying that you felt your heart sink. Part of that was because how true a lot of right. it was, you know, and that's why we gave the space to allow those ideas to unfold before bringing it back into a landing of, okay, what can you do about it? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So enjoy the episode. It's really rich with a lot of information and things that you can apply into your life and use, because again, I think that's something that we all face in a world where there's so much taking our energy, like from foods, from uh, technology, from you know, certain power structures. Like it's, it's crazy. Like all the things like, and this is not complete for sure. There's much more that we didn't even talk about that are also things that are vying for our attention, but, uh, or our power and energy, but we, I think did a good start with it, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It'll help. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the science and spirituality podcast, where we dive deep into universal spiritual principles and ground them in modern science. My name is Chris Carton. And my name is Kevin Carton, and we are committed to simplifying the spiritual side of success for you with easy to understand scientific research so you can walk away with practical tools to create radical transformations in your life. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Science and Spirituality Podcast. And uh, we are joined again this week by uh, Neeraj Pardesi. So Neeraj, welcome back to the show. Um, Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. And uh, for, for people who didn't tune into last week's episode with Neeraj, um, I encourage you guys to do that because it was a great electrifying conversation um, about how to uh, increase and expand like human consciousness. And we ended that episode talking about uh, Neeraj's view of the chakra system and how to activate our own, our own energy and our own ability to use our energy most effectively. And we ended that show discussing how in today's day and age, in today's world, our energy feels like it's being torn apart in all these different directions. And if we're not careful, that energy can be given away to other powers, creating other realities. And so we wanted to really, you know, have Neeraj back on and, and just dive into the topic of how we can take back our own energy and use it most effectively in this world today. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. So let's, yeah. And, and, uh, I, uh, for, for people who didn't listen to last week's episode, um, Neeraj, if you can just walk through really quickly your view of the chakra system again, um, it could be, I know last time you spent a good 10 minutes on it, but if you can just yeah. kind of quickly go through, uh, you know, the levels that you see in the, the, the electrical circuit that you see in the human body, cause I think that'd be a good basis for people who didn't tune in last week. That's a good, good refresher for those who did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to spend too long on it, obviously. So thank you for that reminder. Otherwise, I would have actually went in. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the form is that everything is energy. We already know that, right? So everything's energy, which means we are energy, your energy, the words we speak, the things we eat, everything around us is fundamentally energy. And because at the basic level of reality, everything's energy, energy has to organize itself in some way that is 
consistent across life forms, you know, and, you know, human beings made in the image of God, we have this sort of divine blueprint. So does everything else in the world, but there's something special about humans, obviously. That's why we're here having a podcast about stuff like other animals ain't doing this. So <laughs> with that being said, we do have a chakra system for those people who don't know. The chakras are like an energetic charging station or batteries, if you will, that amp up and create our physical and also our non-physical etheric selves. So there's seven main chakras in the body, starting from the bottom to the top. There's the root chakra at the base of your spine that rules animalistic tendencies. Uh, safety is blocked by fear. You got the sacral chakra right underneath the belly button at the waist that rules emotions, flow, connectivity, creativity, sensuality. Got the solar plexus right above the belly button, rules willpower, ego, the mental body. Got the heart chakra obviously at the center of the chest. That's the heart, you know, love, oneness, connectivity, throat chakra at the throat, like the Adam's apple area. That's shooting out truth, wielding power, using the word to create reality. Lots of creation energy there. And then the third eye, of course, the infamous third eye. Everybody knows that one. You can see through the illusions. You can see things for what they are. Inner vision and outer vision. And then the crown chakra at the top of the head, which creates reality uh, merging, like merging with the higher self, merging with the divine. It's like that mix between the human and the divine. That's the gateway at the top of the head. And in the Bible, it says that the world is created in seven days. Now, I'm not more of a religious person. I'm just going off of assimilation of information that uh, on the first day, you know, there's the divine. There's God said, let there be light. The divine principle in the human being and the connection to the doorway to the divine is the crown chakra. Okay? That's what allows the human being to incarnate into the physical densities. That's the first portal is from the divine, the complete non-physical one with God down to the individual. Okay. And then that's that higher aspect. That's the divine aspect. And you want to go down to the very bottom. So all the way to the top, all the way to the bottom. That's where you get the root chakras. It's forming that kind of energetic container in the circuit. Okay. So top, then bottom foundation established. Then you want to go and fill it up back at the, the third eye chakra back to the top. And then back to the bottom again, to the sacral chakra. So as you can see, it's not like a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's more of like a seven, one, six, two, and then so on. Throat chakra, solar plexus. And finally, heart. That's the seventh day. That's why God rested at the seventh day, because the heart chakra is the center of the three higher chakras and the three lower chakras. That's the balance. That's the oneness, the unity. Work is done. We are now moving in flow with life. That's the connection, you know? So we can go into that really deeply. And there's a lot of different chakra systems and organizations. Some people like to say the chakras move like music notes, you know, like C, D, E, F, G, A, B. Like, you know, the, what's the word here? The, what is it called? The platonic Octaves. scale? The Octaves. That's correct. Yes, like the keys on the keyboard. And there's mm -hmm. many different ways to use that, right? Like everything is music, universe. We can get into that, all that stuff. But that basically sets the foundation for what we're about to talk about. Is that energy travels in patterns and everything is energy, which means energy has got to be used in a specific way or it's going to take the path of least resistance, which is what energy does, just like electricity. Electricity being the physical manifestation of spiritual energy. Okay, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. That's why our nerves, our nervous systems run on electricity. It's the physical manifestation of consciousness commanding the body. That's, that's why electricity is the thing. So it's bioelectricity, actually. But, you know, also like lightning, static, all that good stuff. Everything takes the path of least resistance, just like nature. Energy takes the path of least resistance. However, if you don't create the path of least resistance for yourself consciously, then it will go back to its default setting, aka it can be robbed and used via our animalistic tendencies, like lust, fear, uh, overindulgence in the seven sins, like sloth and, um, you know, what's the word here? Greed. Gluttony. What a, what's, gluttony. Gluttony. That's the one I was looking for. Thank you. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, that's one. So, you know, there's a whole reason that religions all around the world have these rules set up. It's, it's very, very ancient, ancient understanding. If we're not careful, our energy will get sucked and robbed. And then that's what we are. So if you want as much life force as you can, you better use it correctly. That's what we're here to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I have, I have so many places that I could go with this. Um, first of all, I, 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 no, I was going <laughs> to say, I, I love, I love the idea that you were touching on about electricity. And, um, you know, when I was studying acupuncture, when I was 
practicing acupuncture, I loved the electro acupuncture portion of it. Um, and just working with the body's like bioelectric rhythms is really cool. And, and I've always had that, the, the idea that like, you know, when you have a, when you have an idea, the first manifestation of that idea is the electrical impulses in the brain. It's like literally taking something that's amorphous and it turns it right into something that's physical and you can see it in the electrical rhythms of the brain and of the heart. And so I don't know, maybe you can go a little deeper into talking about that. Cause it seemed like you had a really good understanding of it. And it was the first time that I kind of heard that being brought in to this discussion. And I was very interested. Ooh, let's go. Okay. Well, we can start out first by understanding that the entire function of every piece and organ of the body, biologically speaking, is to protect the central nervous system. That's the brain and the spinal cord. That's where consciousness lies, even on a physical scale, biological, biologically. All electrical impulses come from the CNS, the central nervous system, and then they get transported to the peripheral nervous system, which is uh, all the extensions into the nerves, the limbs, the other types of organs and things of that nature. And then followed by that is the blood vessels, which basically do the same thing. It's feeding energy and nutrients to and from taking out waste. It's like transportation. So everything mm -hmm. comes back to your central nervous system, which is where all thoughts, all impulses, and all reactions, stimulus gets computed. If we're taking that to uh, its higher octave, <laughs> you know, octave, you know, if we're going to yes. take that to its higher expression, which means where it comes from in the non-physical, as we know, if many people don't know, we'll get into this later, but the law is all things that are physically manifest were first created in the non-physical dimensions. If you want to go scientific, everything's quantum energy, which is basically potential energy that can take any form. And then it gets solidified over time and with, with intention to get into a physical manifestation. So consciousness comes first as an awareness, knowing itself, I am. You know, you could say any different combination of I am, like I'm a person, I'm a tree, uh, I'm Neeraj, I'm Chris, whatever. But I am is always at the beginning of everything. Okay, that's the only thing that's really real is I am. So I am, which is your self-concept, comes first. And that I am gets filtered down into the physical density from the non-physical via the central nervous system, as above, so below. So the physical body isn't like a vessel for our spirit, like our souls are in our body. No, it's more like our soul is our body, but in physical form. And then that's, that's why, you know, when... Uh, uh, not to be too vulgar or anything, but like that's why when two people have intercourse, that's the merging of their souls because of their bodies being an extension of the soul in the physical. Okay, and that's why the intimacy increases, the telepathy almost increases, the the ability to understand and sense each other it increases because it's soul bond. So electricity is simply in the same principle, how consciousness moves and delivers signals. That's why Chris, you said when you have an idea, which is a thought form, thoughts are non-physical. When that thought gets into your mind, the first thing you see is a flare of neural activity, either in the brain and the heart, and then how it gets trans transmitted in the rest of the body. That's the same principle to why um, everything that is energy actually becomes electricity later. But energy comes first, spiritual energy. And mm -hmm. then electricity is like a physical manifestation of that. It's not like mm -hmm. you can touch it. You can't grab electricity, but you can use it. Same way you can't grab a thought, but you can use it. You can grab like physical things like your body, but you can't grab the energy that runs it. So mm -hmm. it's just the same thing. It's all the same, but in a different context. And I hope that helps answer the question, give some context around why that works. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm a, yeah, I'm definitely going to look deeper into that too. Cause it, it seems like you have such a great understanding of that. And I'm sure from like working with clients and seeing that in action and also I guess, you know, seeing it in yourself as well. And so oh, I guess yeah. the, 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 the next thing that I'm thinking about from that is that the, again, from going back to the beginning of the podcast, what we were talking about, the, the day and age that we live in today in the world is always vying for our energy and our attention. And that first you know, wherever we place our attention, that's where our thoughts are going to go. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're on social media, we're, you know, we're, we're on Instagram or we're watching the news. We're going to start to download those frequencies because we're going to see something. We're going to automatically have a thought. And then that thought is going to create that cascade of the electrical impulses, the emotions, and that's going to start to, to 
create our physical body. And, and like you said, there's no difference between the physical body and the soul. So it's, it's, it's working on that. And so how, I guess to, to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, like how do we as humans take back control of our own energy? Is it uh, an awareness thing first where it's like, all right, we got to first realize it's being stolen. And then next <laughs> kind of see where I'm going with that. I don't know if that's a yeah. kind of a loaded yeah. question. I think a loaded just question. Like there's many ways you could probably go about that, but yeah. What is your take on that? Nuge? I think with anything you're right. Like uh, we, we could just staple this on everybody's front door. Like it starts with awareness. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, it starts with awareness. <laughs> of course it does. So we should lead with that. Obviously, obvious, you know, if you know that it's happening, you can do something about it, but if you don't, you're stuck, you're stuck there. So with that being said, the first thing is to understand that our energy is the only real currency. Let's uh, take a step back here just to provide some context. Let's say money is the currency. We're in the U.S. We use dollars. The U.S. currency is our exchange method, okay? And money is a tool of transaction. Money in of itself, in and of itself means absolutely nothing. It's just paper. It's not even backed by anything else in the U.S. So it's just a mode of uh, exchange. Like, I'm going to give you this much money so that you can do this for me. It's a service exchange, right? But the thing is, is that the money isn't the point. The money is not the value. The value is what you get for the money. That's like, I want somebody to build my house. They need $300,000 to do that. They're going to build my house. That's what I want. I don't want the money. I want the, what the money can buy me. Okay. And just in that same way, you can have many different things that you can spend your energy on, but it's about what that energy is going to create mm -hmm. that matters. It's where it's going at the end of the day. And that's why it's important to understand that your energy, both physical, mental, emotional energy, that is what creates things. That's what creates experiences. It's where you direct your energy. It's like putting money on something. So if you had bills to pay, if you had a family to support, and if you had things you wanted to do or needed for sustenance, would you be letting somebody come into your house and take away your energy, your money every single day straight out of your hands? You're holding $1,000 you get every day when you wake up from sleep, okay? Like $1,000, just say that. And you need, you need eight to 900 of it to follow through and do everything for your day. You need a little bit left over just so you don't die. <laughs> Let's just say that you need a little bit of, okay, but it gets refreshed every morning. Would you let somebody come and take $300, 400, 500, $600 from your hand every day? Somebody who does not have your best interest at hand, somebody that's not going to help you provide for yourself, for your family. You wouldn't do it because it's super stupid. And that same way, your money and your energy is very much the same principle. If you wouldn't let your money get robbed, you shouldn't let your energy get robbed because that's taking away from you. You actually want it's taking away from your sustenance, your building. And then people are trying to scrape by in their lives with like half a tank or like less battery than is what's actually optimal. Some people don't even make it out. That's why people get sick and get diseased and die. They're running off of such low energy all the time that their body literally has to decay in order to keep themselves alive. Like I can no longer use my arms and limbs to the same vitality anymore or the same stamina because I don't have enough energy in the tank. It's my heart and my brain, or it's going to be my biceps. It's definitely not going to be my biceps because the central nervous system and the heart matters way more than my arms and my other organs. So it's going to be a slow demise, but that's just an example. You wouldn't let somebody rob you of your money, but your energy is getting robbed every single day. And if you'd like, we can go into like how that's being done through our phones, mm -hmm. attention, all this good stuff. Yeah, I was going to, my follow-up to that was going to be to uh, kind of make it more practical and relatable. It's because like, okay, and our energy is being stolen. What does that look like for a, for someone who's listening? And they're like, all right, like, I don't want my energy being stolen, but yeah. can you help me identify ways of how it's being stolen and what that looks like, what that feels like? Sure, let's go. And feel free to chime in, you guys. You know, you guys, yeah. you guys know a lot too. I'm, let's let's yeah. make this conversation <laughs> cracking. But to start off, I'll say this. We've heard this phrase where attention goes, energy flows. Mm -hmm. Energy and consciousness are basically the same thing, all right? Because energy is conscious. Our bioenergy is alive. It's literally what provides us sustenance. So where you direct your consciousness, consciousness is what means you're alive. Because if you know you're alive, you're conscious, okay? So life is consciousness. Energy is consciousness. If you know that when you're conscious, you can put your attention on different things. Like, let's say 
I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to look at my hand. I'm using my attention to look at my hand. I'm using my attention to speak and focus to you versus I could disperse my attention to a broader scale. And then I could just, uh, you know, daydream. I could lay back and I could use it for imagining things. I could use my energy to go run a mile. I could use my energy to emotionally support somebody or do whatever, create something. So energy is always being used for everything. It's part of what we are. We're never not using the energy. Okay. So it's literally everything that you do. I need to stress this because your energy doesn't mean, oh, it's only my spiritual energy. It's only when I'm meditating or it's, it's only my energy when I'm working out. No, it's the energy that allows you to be alive, which is what we're talking about. That's what we're trying to protect here. And when your energy gets sapped, your ability to command your attention and focus on what you want gets dimmed. Like when you're sleepy, you're low on energy. And how hard is it to focus on doing like a presentation or writing something intellectual when it's like 1am, you haven't slept, you're tired, full days of work, your tank is almost empty, right? You, so it's very simple. It's not that complicated. You're low on energy. Your attention becomes dimmed. But the inverse is also true. It's if your attention gets stolen, then your energy follows your attention. It's not just the other way around. They're both the same thing. Energy equals attention. So let's say everything that's taking your attention is taking your energy. If your energy and your attention is being taken by things that you don't need or you don't decide you need, then it actually takes away from all the things that you would actually need. All the things, you're trying to work a job, you're trying to keep yourself up, trying to keep yourself healthy, maintain a good relationship with your kids, you're trying to be creative, you're trying to breathe deeply, whatever. It could be whatever. Your energy needs a place to go. And if your energy is being taken, your attention is being taken by something else, like you're seeing ads on social media, you're constantly scrolling on Instagram, which is built to take your attention, biologically, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, exhausting your dopamine receptors. Um, there's nudity and pornography everywhere, which is biologically a very high stimulus activity for your attention. You have high fat, high sugar, very processed, chemically processed foods, taking the attention away from your taste buds, from your body's ability to absorb nutrients. Everything's robbing your attention. We could get really nitty gritty, but that's just an overview. Everything is taking your attention, especially in this world. It's all high paced, hijacked. Everything's digital. You're not really spending any time being slow. Everything's one, two, three, overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. This is a very conditioned mindset. Like people maybe 200 years ago would not have the problem of overthinking to the degree that we do now. It's a very created, isolated type of event. So your energy is always being used. If your energy is being robbed by things, aka your attention is being robbed by things, then you don't get to use it for what you actually want. So just ask yourself, what kind of things am I finding myself pay attention to that I didn't actually choose to? Like, do you just open your phone and magically end up on Instagram for three hours? Or do you uh, walk outside and uh, I don't know, it's actually better. Go, go walk outside. Don't be on your yeah. phone. Go walk outside. But it's a, it's a really good example. I think the phones and the electronics is enormous in robbing people's attention. Mm -hmm. Everything's fast-paced marketing. Everything's in your face. There's no more room for subtle, sweet, soothing, deep anymore. Everything's fast-paced and broad. It's very shallow now because that's what you need to get people's attention. What is yeah. it like five second attention span? These TikTok yeah. videos, five, 10 seconds. Instagram reels, five, 10, 30 seconds. Who the right. hell has patience to even watch a movie anymore? <laughs> you know, let's, let's take it back. It's not even that serious. Not even yeah. I need to meditate for 30 minutes. No, just watch a movie. How many people are going to be pulling out their phone while watching the movie? It's preposterous. So mm -hmm. our energy is being leached everywhere and it's showing up in every area of your life. Most people just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. I think I think it's become it's become so comfortable too to be in that state. And when you try, so so th that's like the you know Kevin and I created a, a conscious stress regulation course, and that in so? that course, yeah, in that course we talked about unconscious go to behaviors when we're feeling stress or when we're feeling overwhelmed, we'll unconsciously go to things to help regulate our nervous system. So it'd be scrolling or excess eating or you know just whatever. A lot of the things that you just talked about. 
And so I think uh, like the, the problem for a lot of people in, in society today, because their, their brains and their attentions and their energy has been so hijacked by this, when they actually try to shift out of it back into something more slow, back into something more where they direct their own energy, there's almost like a discomfort with that. And if they're not in maybe like a structure of support or they're not aware that it's going to feel uncomfortable, they get sucked right back into that quick energy drains because it's almost like a, 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 a feeling of comfort for them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, dude, I, I'm actually experiencing a version of that right now, given that oh, I, yeah? I got married 10 days ago now or yeah, 11 days ago. So like, and then like Viv and I went on a quick, like three day vacation, like a honeymoon, a mini honeymoon. And then the last like two days of last week, Thursday and Friday, like I didn't really do much. And so like I had like taken the time off as best as I know I wanted to, which was to not do any work, not do any reading. Actually, I wanted to meditate, but didn't do any of that scrolling social media. So like, even though I've been very consistent of being more in that slow pace, not being allowing my attention to be hijacked, I think it's just like, it just happened. And I didn't even realize it until just a couple of days ago. I'm like, Hmm, interesting. But now as I've recommitted to certain practices like meditation or going outside for walks or just having a meal and not looking at my phone, there's still, even though it's just been like 10 days, it's like still the resistance to even doing that. Like the actually good thing that is healthy. So like, I really can, I feel for people who have never really done that in their life before, because even just that it's been 10 days, it's feeling like difficult to like re- organize my own energy because it's been, you know, about 10 days that it's been out of the normal for myself, which I'm proud. I'm not beating myself up for it, but like, it's still interesting to see that for myself of like, I'm challenged with that given even, uh, cause I I've been consistent with certain practices that help me organize my attention the best way I want to for several months in a row, maybe not every single day, but more often than not. And then literally just 10 days, it's like that. And it feels like it's like quote unquote gone. But I'm very proud of myself again for not beating myself up. And I know that I'm going to get back on top of it. It's like, because I want to, like, it feels best, honestly. So it's, it's fascinating. I think it's that a, a uh, sorry, Chris. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I think that an easy way for people who don't know what this feels like, because it's really easy to get used to, right? Like right. you said, uh, both you guys, it's super easy to get used to this state of low level attention. It's like, you don't notice it until you get back to knowing how much attention you can actually hold. Like you don't know how crappy your attention span is until you train yourself to learn to look like elongate your attention span. It's like, um, you know, the spiritual reference. You don't know that you fall in consciousness until you come back up. <laughs> you don't really realize that your mentality is dropped until you go back to a high state or it takes a lot of focus rather to figure that out. So what I would have people, including my clients do, and they're like, so uh, how do I figure out where my attention span is at? Cause attention is important, right? I'm like, okay, uh, pick something, you know, pick this wall here, pick a spot on the wall. Just look at it for 30 seconds. <laughs> Put a timer on your phone. Just look at it for 30 seconds. Just look at it. Do you move your eyes? Do you, do you think a lot? Like, you know, can you even do it or what's it like? Can, can you do it? Are you, are you kind of hurting for 30 seconds? Can't even hold your attention on it for 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, whatever. That is it's pretty detrimental because where your attention goes, energy flows. If you can't hold your attention on anything for more than a minute, what makes you think you can create anything? What makes you think you can sustain anything, take care of anything? It's pretty scary, y'all. It's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. I was victim to this for a while. I don't yeah. even know how I did anything. No, oh. I, 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 yeah, I can, I can, and I can, I can echo what Kevin said too. It's like, you know, you can be so good for so long and it's, it's, it's so easy to fall back into that because it's, it's, it's designed to do that. You know, like you said, the social media, um, the constant news cycle, it's like every, there's breaking news every five minutes. There was a, there was a, um, I forgot where I read this, but there was a woman back in like the sixties or seventies. This was like before social media, before like mass media. And she was saying that even just in like the local newspapers and just the amount of news that they were exposed to back in the sixties or seventies was like too much for like humans to handle because it just made us pay attention and be emotionally involved in so many things. And that was back in the sixties or seventies. 
so you can imagine like how now, how much stuff we're always, we're being exposed to. And it's like, we we get emotionally involved in all these things. If we're not careful, it's like you, you're giving away a piece of yourself to all these things. And then you wonder why, you know, after even 30 minutes of scrolling social media, you, you, you feel drained, completely drained. And I know I felt that way before. It's like, and, and, and you're right. It's, it's, it's that feeling of, I want to create something, but a lot of times, but the thing that I'm struggling with now is I know that I want to create something, but there's a part of me that like, when I think about it, I think about the amount of t- attention and time it's going to take. And I almost don't trust myself to see it through. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do it. I don't know if you ever felt that way before. That's how, how I kind of feel with some of the big projects that I'm thinking about starting. It's like, yeah, I know that it's going to take this energy investment. And it's like, it's almost like that trust. It's like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I totally understand that. That is, um, I spent most of my life in that box, actually. Uh, back when you're a kid, it feels like you have infinite energy. Like I could just spend eight hours doing the same thing. I wouldn't even look up once. Uh, not once. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But then, you know, you get older, you start living life, start working, you start getting on social media and all that just kind of disappears somehow. I don't, I don't know. But a, a lot of people go through it, especially us creators. We're supposed to be building stuff. We're supposed to be having these types of conversations. We're supposed to be making life change. I get it, man. It's, it's like, can I really do it? Like, am I really going to? Because you know you can, but will you? That lack of trust, I find, honestly, I just really got over a big hump maybe last week. It took a big, big emotional catalyst for me to get through that. But I realized I, I actually was coming from an energy of, I want to create it, but it's more of like a desperation energy. It's like, I want to create these things because I know I'm not actually doing what I'm supposed to do. I can feel that lack of purpose in me. And because I feel that lack of purpose, my initial instinct is to go chase dopamine. It's to chase pleasure. The pleasure is what people use, especially men. We'd use pleasure to satisfy that void of not having purpose. And purpose is like continual directed focus. It's like being led by something. When we don't feel that flow of purpose, we will try or our instinct is to try to use pleasure to feel like we're doing something. Like that's the person who like feels depressed all day. That's why people get addicted to drugs and alcohol. They, they need something to make them feel like, okay, at least I feel kind of alive right now. Mm-hmm. They're not feeling high off of living, creating, being immersed in life, playing the game. So they're feeling alive by artificial means, whether that's scrolling, whether that's alcohol, whether that's super crazy food, whether that's a whole lot of sex or porn, everything is designed these days to satiate everybody's quota for feeling alive just enough so that they don't realize this whole thing is a sham and then take their power back, take their energy back. Because, you know, I don't like saying the powers that be, but the powers that be have, <laughs> have constructed a very, very smart, intelligent, useful, efficient system to create a cycle of energy, energy drain that just feeds itself, you know, and you don't even know that you're a product of it until you step out of it. It's really, really wild. But I think, Chris, that the best thing to do is a, what's called a dopamine detox. You need to have a good reason to stop doing all the things that you're used to doing. So for me, this looked like um, fasting, no food for an entire day. I was not allowed to be on my phone and I wasn't allowed to be with other people. It's good to be out in nature. I actually spent like four hours walking barefoot, um, on, you know, barefoot on the ground underneath the sun going in circles. It was weird. I got into some crazy high states of consciousness that completely changed my life trajectory from there forward. But everything is available to us. There's infinite energy for us to draw from within ourselves because that's our, it's where we come from. Like infinite intelligence, our source, our consciousness. We've got a lot of energy, but we just need to tap back into that reservoir. You mm. can't do that until you stop giving energy to things. You have to get it back. That's why meditation is important. You're withdrawing your attention from your five senses, from the external world. And then bring that, bring that back inside so that you can reconnect with who you actually are and then get revitalized again. That's why sleep makes you energized. You can turn off the biological brain functions that are made to keep you safe and keep you alert. Close your eyes, you go into hibernation mode. It's like putting your phone on low power mode while you charge it. It's a lot easier to get the battery back when you're not using it. Mm-hmm. So 
I think every day for the first few hours of the day, it's smart to not use your energy on anything and just be, be there, just connect with who you are. And that'll set you up with flow, with purpose, clarity, physical connectivity, emotional connectivity, and a lot more direction, man. I, I yeah. really think that if people made small micro changes every day in a couple of weeks, that would compound to a whole new lifestyle, which brings me to another point that I just thought of. Dang. It's actually really easy to create change. It's small micro steps that create compounding huge leaps, but because we're so conditioned to instant gratification and big spurts of energy, we think the change has to be now and it has to be completely transformative. Like I need to get the six pack in two days, tomorrow, right now. <laughs> I need to feel good right now. And when you think like that, then not only are you expecting yourself to make the change fast. And if the change doesn't happen instantly, you give up because your dopamine meter is up here, but creating micro change is like down here. It's like skyscraper to a little hut. That's the difference. So you think that, oh, this is a little hut. I should just give up. I have no motivation. There's no dopamine, which is your reward chemical. There's no reward in taking small steps towards my growth. I need all of it in order to feel like something's happening. Why? Because you're conditioned to big, fast spurts of dopamine release, biological hacking. That's why you don't feel like you have the energy. You do. You can trust yourself. You do. You have everything you need. Your brain is just conditioned to think it's not enough because your timeline, your mental timeline, even if it's subconscious, it's actually really small. It's actually supposed to be much larger. That's how life works. It's how real things are built. Good things take time. Big things take time. But we think it's supposed to be in the small time frame. So not only do you get discouraged when you don't get it one day, two days, a week has passed and you don't see your results. You're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm not feeling any reward from this. Yeah. That is what happens. That's why you don't feel motivated. And the impulse to create that inspiration that you get, like, oh, it doesn't last. Why? Because you're so conditioned to big spurts of energy quick and fast. See, everything comes back around in a, in a loop. You get large amounts of energy slamming you with this dopamine over and over again, day in and day out. It's, it silences the voice and the power of real, real inspiration. Because real inspiration is huge for a moment or it's subtle for a long time. Both of those things are against modern society and how it's built. It's either fast and now, or it's not there. It's fast yeah. and now. So that's why like, it's like the natural world is being slowly kicked out of people's psyche. It is very, very dangerous. And people are now lying to themselves without even knowing it, saying, I don't have the patience to create this. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I don't trust myself to do it. And that's mm. how you get people to imprison themselves and make themselves slaves because you have convinced them that they're not worthy or able of doing what they're supposed to do or what they yeah. want to do. Think about how many people have big dreams and they just sleep on them because they think they ain't got it. That's a lot less prevalent. It's a lot less prevalent if you train your emotions and your attention to be within yourself. Yeah, it's I wild. mean, Ken, I'm sure you see that all the time with your clients. That's why they work with you. 100%. Like having those, those big dreams, they're just not, you know, well, they have that inner knowing that it's like, I know that I can do this, but something, I need help. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I've noticed for myself, like when I'm the... The thing I want to echo what you're saying before about spending time with yourself in the morning. Um, I, I was, it's been at least three or four months now where I made the conscious choice to not look at my phone for at least a few hours before I get up. And so I'll read, um, I'll go for a walk, I'll work out, like I'll make breakfast, do all that stuff before looking at my phone. And that's helped tremendously because again, like I'm centering myself in the morning before I start to uh, interact with the world around me. It's like having that, 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 that time to myself to set my own energy. And then also what's really helped as well is, and you were touching on this is having the reward come from actually doing the thing versus getting toward to the end of it. So it's like you, you were saying like, instead of like, Oh, you know, having the six pack, if you, if you're waiting for the dopamine to get the six pack, it's like, you're not going to want to go through the process of getting it. But if every day you show up and work out and that gives you the dopamine hit, that's going to be way more sustainable over time because it builds that discipline. So that's definitely what I've been learning. Um, and I feel like I've definitely seen that in other parts of my life. There's just certain areas where it's like, mostly my creative side, I think. It's like, 
the creative side, there's still a lot of, a lot of potential that I feel and a lot of things that I want to do and create, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's coming. <laughs> and okay, we're, we're, we're talking tomorrow about that, but yeah. So, you know, you guys, I don't want to go a little bit too deep, too fast. So let me know if this is going too much, but I think the real reason why society has allowed this level of intensity and speed and dopamine everywhere, high-paced marketing and advertising, you know, all, I think all the reason that this has happened is truly because a large amount of people have forgotten what it feels like to be alive. This is also why there's a huge depression and overthinking problem in the world. It's because too, people are too up in their heads. It's a lot of ego constructs, a lot of mentality, but people don't know how to feel anymore. You see this with a large amount of health decrease, large amount of obesity. There's not a lot of muscle on people these days anymore. Not a lot of athleticism. That's just physical feeling, like physical sensation. But also think about like how many crazy dating sites there are like Tinder, or there's like, um, you know, fast paced, hard music. There's just so much speed everywhere because people have lost the feeling of enjoyment of just being alive. Like when you take a deep breath in, and I'm not saying that I do this all the time, I'm still working on it, but when you take a deep breath, does it like make you feel good? Or are you like, I'm just kind of breathing? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, breathe. Or is it like, are you really experienced in the breath? And I, I'm realizing I'm not there right now. I'm a bit in my head. I can feel it in my voice. I can feel it. The more I slow down, the more that I get more into my diaphragm and I, I actually feel the sounds coming out of my throat as I speak, being more attuned to that. I'm not only getting more clarity, more presence and prowess, but I'm also getting a lot more pleasure just from existing. And I, I tend to look, I think people tend to look for satisfaction outside of themselves via other people, via technology, via entertainment and food, because they don't know what it's like to feel good by feeling alive. Just living, this living, this being alive in and of itself should be ecstatic, in my opinion. So that's where I'm working towards. I'm like, nobody really knows how and why. I think that people have stopped feeling as deeply Number one, because the society that produces children like this don't really know how to feel. So why would the kids think it's okay to feel, you know? But also it's because there's so much conditioning slash trauma around what it means to feel in the body. There's way too much shame around feeling things. There's like, oh, why are you crying? Why are you laughing so loud? You shouldn't be that angry. Boys shouldn't be that angry. Or like, you know, Oh, you're giggling and playing too much. You're too rambunctious. Starts when you're a kid. These are all the things you hear parents telling children. And when those children grow up, they still have that same mentality. I am doing too much. I'm feeling too deeply. Now I'm not going to get love, which acceptance equals love to a child. Approval from the parents equals love to a child. I will not be loved if I am operating outside of my box of emotional frame that's okay that's societally acceptable. I know I'm a product of this and I had to train myself to get out of that, but it's still my default setting for years. It takes a long time to unwire that, or at least it can. But I think that at, at a large, we're aware of this and we're having somewhat of a hard time fighting these battles. Think about the people that aren't even aware that this is a thing, that you have emotional catalysts that when you feel them, they make you close down and shut down. They make you get anxious and hijack your nervous system because you can't handle the feeling. You've taught yourself that this is a bad feeling. You associate this feeling with fear and death and pain. Too much sadness, death. Too much anger, explosion about to happen. Or like, you know, I'm feeling nervous, turns into anxiety. Excitement, anxiety. Fear equals death. There's so much extremity in people's emotion these days that they just decide not to feel. The body is like, hey, man, I'm in danger all the time. Let's just not feel anything. Some people are really turned on by adrenaline. And some people think that it's literally the most dangerous feeling in the world. Some people love roller coasters. Some people will literally pass out because they can't. They'll just 
check out on a roller coaster. You seen these videos? The roller coaster is about to start. They're yep. so scared that they're just like, <clears throat> they just pass out right there because they mentally cannot handle it. The body's like, we're out. Nope, <laughs> I'm out. I'm not doing this. They check out. They disassociate. I think there's so much disassociation with people and their bodies and their emotions these days. And that is linked back to childhood trauma and society produced trauma that nobody can get high off of feeling good just by being alive, just by breathing, just by walking in a certain way, by dancing, by singing, by speaking, you know, giving a hug is like, hmm, give a hug, hug. It's not like a, an embrace from the heart anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really sad that we can't even be alive anymore. And that's why, because you don't feel alive, you got to use something to make yourself feel alive. Otherwise, you will feel like you have no meaning or existence, hence suicide. So if, if you don't have some means to feel alive, there is no sustenance for you to live. And if you're not going to get it by life, you're going to seek it through other external pleasures like food, drugs, alcohol, sex, um, approval from other people, workaholicism, is that a word? Being a workaholic, uh, whatever. And you're just going to be depressed forever. And I think, I think that's really at the root of this, is that your energy has been robbed, drug full circle here, your energy has been robbed by the society that you've grown up in or the parentage that you've grown up in on some level. And that creates a feeling of unsafety for being alive fully, whether that be a negative emotion or a positive emotion or you know acting any certain type of way. That creates so much power over the human being as a child and then as an adult that you need to use other things to make yourself feel alive which is what allows the powers that be to steal your energy so they so they listen here yeah let me, let me pause you okay what's the solution we get oh. that oh it, nice. just so focused on it which i get and i've noticed started in the last like minute or two my energy and like okay but now what especially I imagine someone listening who might not be as aware. Yeah. It's like, okay, but okay. help. Of course. And you know what? Thank you for bringing me back because I was just on a roll there. So thank you. Thank you so much. The solution to ending that problem is not going to be immediate. And I think people need to understand that. You know, you're not going to fix it immediately, but the steps to take are number one, realize it's happening. And number two, just find a way in whatever way that works for you to slow down in life and to just feel, you know, feel, get in touch with your five senses again, you know, feel yourself sitting down, feel yourself breathing. That's all really meditation is anyways, is just getting to know how it feels to be here and be alive, get to know yourself again, you know, just take a few minutes, maybe one minute, just chill, you know, sit down, don't do anything, observe yourself. That's how it starts. When you observe yourself, then you find out what's going on inside of you. If you feel afraid, if you feel weird emotions or thoughts come up, it's okay. Nothing's gonna happen to you. Get somebody that you trust, sit down in a room with them. Just sit there for five minutes and just chill together. No need to speak, no need to do anything. Don't pull out the phone. Just do that. If you wanna take it a step further, do a little bit of light exercise, go work out a little bit, get your body back in order, get your blood flowing again. Because if you're too much in your head, the only way to get that balance is to go back into your body, activate your body. It'll take your, your attention, it'll bring it back down. And I think that's the best first step for anybody in any situation, whether you live in the big city or if you live anywhere in the world. Just take a minute, go be with the people you love and just be there with them. Be by yourself and just be there. Don't try to distract yourself with anything. When you're eating food, put the phone down, look at the food, smell it. Wow, you can smell the steam coming off there. Eat it, enjoy it, you know? You know, even if you're going to watch TV, be in it, watch TV, get in there, do whatever, but just do one thing at a time. That's really the cure. Just do one thing at a time as much as you can, and it will retrain your ability to be focused again, get your attention back. And it's really simple. It's not a huge monumental task. If you just do that, because the time's going to pass anyways, you're going to live anyways, you're going to live for as long as you live until you're not living anymore. If you're going to live that way, you may as well use it proactively. Invest your time into creating a beautiful life that you will see over time compounds, gets more and more big, more and more beautiful. And that's it. It's not that much. I think it's important for it to be simple. 
Yeah. Which I would say, honestly, the exact same thing is about slowing down because the opposite is obviously what most people are stuck in in life. But that the, as you slow down, which is, it's a courageous act. I want to say as well, it's not easy. Like, even though it's simple, simple does not equal easy. Nope. It, it, it sometimes is very difficult to even just sit, be silent and to not allow yourself to be distracted. But that's, I believe it's where our power really lies. Is that our choice? Cause like, I know a lot of this episode has already been on like, well, you know, power being hijacked or how it's being taken away. That's all in our choice and ability. It may not have been a conscious choice in the past, especially when we're raised in a society where it's, that's the normal. And so I don't think it's a conscious choice. I don't think it's something we have to blame ourselves with, but it's now to take back our own responsibility to make those changes. And it doesn't have to be a big, bold step. It's a simple, simple thing. It's good. I think that this has been really instrumental for me. I'm a very loving man. I'm a spiritual person. I, I don't like having enemies. I don't like fights. I don't like conflict. But for me, what really helped me dial in is just to know that there is a kind of, you know, opposition. There is something trying to take my energy, like everything we talked about. And I want my energy back so I can use it as a force for good. What has stopped me and allowed me to put my phone down when I really want to pick it up or stop doing things like I'm about to go make a bad decision and I don't is I actually, in my mind, I've created like, there's a good and there's a bad. There's a friend and then there's an enemy. I wanna go towards my friend and away from my enemy. If I associate energy draining things as my enemy, I have something that holds a space. That character in my head allows me to make it easier to choose my friend. Because if you're in a real life situation, there's a dude with a sword who wants to hurt you versus there's a person on the other side who wants to hug you. And you have a choice to move between both of them. I'm going to go here or I'm going to go there. You would move towards your friend who wants to hug you, not towards the guy with the sword who's trying to hurt you. I think that analogy in your head is really helpful so that you can help make better decisions with more ease when it's difficult because it is going to be difficult. Well said. I like it. Yeah. Oh, that's all I got right now. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I feel this episode's complete. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else that anyone wants to say before we sign off? I think I'm good. All right, cool. All right, Nierjabal, it's nice having you on again. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll speak to you guys soon. Another episode. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Peace. And that's it for today. So thanks for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So any questions, any comments, connect with us on Instagram personally at Kevin F. Carton or at Chris J. Carton or our podcast Instagram page at Science and Spirituality Podcast. And if you feel guided to, the one thing that we do ask is for you to please rate the podcast and also leave a review. This way we can reach more people and in that way impact more lives. So with that, we'll see you on the next episode.